Good morning. As Pastor mentioned earlier, I'm Nate Moldenhauer. I'm the intern from across town at Hope. And it's a joy and privilege to be here with you today. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Simon, and I'm a Pharisee. What's a Pharisee, you ask? Well, to put it simply, we're pretty awesome, and we're better than you are. As a Pharisee, I'm part of a Jewish group that has been around for 400 years before this Jesus guy showed up on the scene. And as a Pharisee, I follow all of God's laws perfectly. I've never disobeyed the law of the Sabbath. I've never talked back to my father or mother. I certainly haven't murdered anyone. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen anything. And I could go on all day. As a Pharisee, I even follow special laws. Laws that God didn't give us, but laws that we thought we better do anyways. And because of these laws, I'm way better than all those people who don't follow those laws. I'm righteous and holy before God because of all the good things that I do. Lately, we Pharisees have had a little problem, though. The name of that problem? Jesus of Nazareth. The people love him. They call him rabbi or teacher, Lord, a prophet from God even, the promised Messiah. This Jesus goes about from town to town, preaching and teaching, healing the sick. A little while back, he even raised a widow's son from the dead. What's the problem, you ask? Why haven't I and the other Pharisees embraced this Jesus like everyone else? Well, it's some of the other things that he does. How can he teach and preach God's laws when he doesn't even follow our own laws? We've caught him breaking the law of no work on the Sabbath more than once. He allows his disciples to pick grain on the Sabbath. He even healed the hand of a crippled man on the Sabbath. And what's more? How can this Jesus be a prophet from God or even the promised Messiah when he associates and even eats with sinners and tax collectors? Well, knowing that Jesus doesn't often turn down invitations. I thought that I, Simon, would invite Jesus to come to my house and eat with me and my friends, some of the other Pharisees. If this holy man eats with sinners and tax collectors, he'll certainly come and eat at my house. And so, Jesus came and reclined at the table with me and my friends. Not sitting on chairs like you people, but reclining on the floor on cushions with his feet behind him, as is the normal custom. While we were eating dinner and reclining at the table, all of a sudden a very unexpected and, may I say, uninvited guest showed up. 
a woman who was known for living a very sinful life, if you know what I mean. A sinful woman in my house. She just walked in. And it gets more unbelievable and more ridiculous. In her hand, she was carrying a fancy stone jar made of alabaster, a see-through stone. And in it, we later find out, she had very expensive perfume. She marched up right to Jesus and began to cry. But Jesus didn't say anything to her. He just reclined there. And then, she wet his feet with her tears and wiped them clean with her hair. Okay, Jesus, I know I didn't give you an opportunity to wash your feet when you came in, but this is a little extreme, don't you think? And you may not realize this, but letting your hair down in public in my culture is a very scandalous act. Yet Jesus just let her do it and didn't say anything. But it gets worse. She began to kiss his feet and pour perfume on them. And he still didn't say a word. He just let her do it. Now there's absolutely no way that Jesus knew who this woman was, right? There's no way Jesus knew what she had done. Because if he had, he certainly wouldn't let her touch him. Being touched by a woman like that, by a sinful woman, makes you unclean and keeps you from going into the temple. But as soon as those thoughts were running through my mind, Jesus broke his silence and addressed me as if he knew what I was thinking. He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Okay, tell me, teacher, I said. What is this Jesus going to say to me now, I thought. He went on to tell me a very obvious story. There were two men who owed great sums of money to a certain money lender. One man's debt was worth 500 days' wages for a common laborer. The other man's, 50 days' wages. So both debts very large, but one ten times larger. Neither man was able to pay his debt. So you know what the money lender did? He forgave the debts. He canceled both of them. Jesus then asked me, Which man will love him more? Well, though the answer seems pretty obvious, that it must be the one with the greater debt, that story still makes no sense to me. You're telling me that this moneylender simply forgave all the debts? It doesn't look like either man did anything to deserve it. Is Jesus trying to tell me that it was simply out of mercy And grace, that this moneylender forgave the debts? Interesting. Then Jesus continued to talk to me and then motioned to the woman. 
as if he was going to apply his story to me and this sinful woman. And you know what? That's exactly what he did. He said, Simon, you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't show me any love. You didn't let me wash my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't put oil on my head. But look at the love that this woman showed me. She washed my feet with her tears and her hair. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet. And she even poured expensive perfume on my feet. Hold on. Is Jesus telling me that this sinful woman showed more love than I do? A righteous Pharisee? How can that be? Then Jesus said, Her many sins have been forgiven. And now this is why she loves me so much. Hold on, Jesus. Her sins are forgiven? Don't you know what she has done? How can her terrible sins have been forgiven? And now you say that her acts of love aren't the reason she's forgiven, but rather the response to the forgiveness she has received? I'm sorry, but that's a very backwards concept to me. I do all of these good things. I live the best I can. I give money to the poor. I always wash my hands before I go into the temple. I do these things so that I look good before God. And you're telling me that God forgives sins freely? Even for what appears to be the worst of sinners? Then Jesus looked at the woman and said, Your sins are forgiven. At this, the rest of my guests just went into a frenzy and began to say what I was thinking. Who is this that even forgives sins? He's claiming to be God. Only God forgives sins. And lastly, Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. With those words, it was clear to me that what Jesus meant was that this woman wasn't saved or forgiven because of all the good things that she did or because she earned or deserved it, but she was saved because she trusted in Jesus as the Messiah and her promised Savior from sin. Okay, let's set Simon aside. We're done with Simon. But it's interesting to think of how he must have perceived that event. I talked in the first person, a little monologue there for a while, to put you in his shoes a little bit. How he and some of the other Pharisees might have seen that event. Are you like Simon at all? The Pharisee who looks righteous but lacks love? Is this how you would have perceived such an event? Or are you more like the sinful woman who's got that ugly past and that huge debt of sin? 
Who are you? The last thing that Simon wanted was for Jesus to invite this woman to himself and to forgive her sins. Much less do it in his own home. Today I'd like you to ask a few tough questions of yourself along with me. What if someone doesn't act the way you think they should in your place of worship? Am I upset by it? What if that person doesn't know how to act in worship? Am I willing to make them comfortable anyways that they may have a chance to hear God's word? Am I willing to inconvenience myself, even to the point of giving up my own feet at Jesus' seat, that they may hear what Jesus has done for them? We want our place of worship, whether it be in a church or a gymnasium, to be as welcoming to everyone as Jesus' feet was to that sinful woman. How often aren't we tempted to think and act a little bit like Simon? To elevate ourselves in place of judge, even scoffing at others. But such thoughts only corrupt and damn us. They spoil the free gift of salvation that God wants to give to us and to all people. You may be a little more like Simon than you'd want anyone to admit, just like I am. But you are also like that woman. Well, I don't want to be like her either, you say. Well, you're like her in this way. You had a huge debt. One that you could not pay. But Jesus freely forgave all of your sins. Like that woman, Jesus invites you to come to Him. Listen to Jesus' words to her. They're meant for you as well. Your sins are forgiven. Those are the most beautiful words to a sinner's ears. Straight from the mouth of the one who makes that forgiveness a reality. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for all of your sins. All of them. Even the ones that we think are really bad. Jesus forgave your whole debt. It doesn't matter how big it was. And it doesn't depend on your acts of love either like Simon the Pharisee thought. So who are you? You are forgiven and loved by God. You are that debtor who owed 500 denarii but had his debt canceled. You are the woman with that ugly, ugly past but had your sins forgiven by Jesus. You are his invited guest. So just like that woman, after receiving that amazing forgiveness, we can't help but to show acts of love. 
Totally disregarding the social rules, she marched right into Simon's house. Washed Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair and poured perfume on them. Amazing acts of love. Now am I telling you that you need to go out and buy expensive perfume and wash someone's feet in order to show love? No. Listen to Jesus' command to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Use the Ten Commandments as your guide. They give us awesome opportunities to say thank you to God for what he has done for you. Love God by loving those he has placed in your life. Love God by sharing that love that he showed you with people who do not know it. As we heard from the mouth of Simon the Pharisee, to hearts lacking faith, God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness sound like foolishness, doesn't it? Like nonsense. But that grace, mercy, and forgiveness is your reality through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. So who are you? You are God's own forgiven children. I want to leave you today with Jesus' last phrases to that woman. They are for you as well. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.